0: Folks, welcome to the Ansun podcast. I am Mark, who's been battered by sense for the past week. I'm joined once again by Chris. Hi, energy, Chris. Hi, energy, and and Vicky. Hi there. Just hi there. <laughs> just hi. Yeah. It's yeah. like I've been just drinking mm. E number straight for the past week. <laughs> just like dragging soup, what you mean. I know. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all I can see is like purple.
1: Exactly. Neon, ah, neon, purple. neon colours.
0: Neon and streetlights whizzing by my eyes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, Some cyborg can't chase me down the street.
1: I feel like you're in like an anime film. Yeah.
0: You join us for a, a synth wave special. A special? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome to the world of. Perturbator, I guess. Um, But before we get into his dark and
1: perturbing world, perturbing, (laughs)
0: perturbing, yeah. We've got some admin to do, haven't we? We always have. have we? We
1: always have. Vicky, have we? Yeah, we've got a few bits. <laughs> Take away.
0: Big hellos to David Puglia from Australia, who sent us a very lovely email as well as subscribing to the podcast. Oh. What a chap. Please, David, if you're listening, um let us know what you think of your journey through our, our uh, catalogue because he's got a lot of listening to do and a lot of bands he's... Yeah, he I mentioned. hope he went back and checked out that Petrol Emotion. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he left a comment in the other day, actually.
2: Nothing um, Nothing feels better, right, than when someone writes in and goes, oh, hey, guys, love the show. You should,
0: you should try this. And you're like, done it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Mic <Mike> drop, done <laughs> it. Got it. <laughs> uh, and also Doug... Surname name redacted <laughs> yeah, so Thank you for joining us as well An actual Doug Not as in D-O-U-G But a dog subscribe to our pod- podcast Because when Mark's voice goes up like that They love it Yeah I, Even I can't hear when I go that high <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is surprising I can go that high To be honest How did you feel After the the
2: Ed Sheeran episode Which it really was I mean I know Deacon Blue And Miss um, Dynamite
0: Were on there But it, it kind of Was overshadowed Yeah they kind of They put in like A token <laughs> appearance I suppose mm-hmm. um, ha- After having to Listen back Taking cut out clips uh, For social media it, oh, it was Cry me a river It was, it was No it was uh, I mean it was good It was a good episode I, I must say It was a good episode <laughs> um, But yeah It's fucking brain damage man.
1: <laughs> I know I know. I don't envy you having to go and find all of those like, George Ezra clips and everything.
2: I mean, it, they're not hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like Paul
1: Simon, like totally ripping Paul Simon off in that You, do you know, you, what know right? you
2: said it, and actually, it was like, after ripping Ed Sheeran, I was like, even just that George Ezra, Ezra clip might be the worst one on it. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: It's really fucking bad. Terrible. And yeah, and he's I, massive as well.
1: And I just wanted to say, did you see on. One of our Facebook groups, I can't remember but one, somebody said that they that they were visited by the Ragman yes. as well.
0: Scott Walker. Scott Walker. <laughs> <Like> the, yeah. <laughs> was Scott Walker the Ragman? <laughs> the actual Scott
1: Walker. <laughs> That's how Scott Walker died. He was visited by the Ragman. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> it's a harbinger of doom.
2: Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, um, I, I have no idea how to uh, uh, pronounce this. Moshe Datz uh, is apparently the Israeli Ed Sheeran um, an Israeli pop star who I think was on some kind of talent show Or, uh, no, no, maybe it was It was Eurovision it was Israel in the 90s on Eurovision And he does, he looks like a kind of Iceland brand, fun foods yeah. brand, Ed Sheeran is <laughs> he? A lot older, but he looked, yeah, he's kind of damaged looking um, I'll send it to the group later on So thanks uh, Yara and Israel for sending us that Also suggested that we get our fingers out And do this Eurovision episode I I know the
0: perfect guest for that episode. I think we'll be swatting them away. I think a lot of people will we want involved in it. You know, uh, so my old flatmate Craig, he subscribed to the podcast. You know what he looks like. He's got he's up to his eyeballs. <laughs> um, he Was fucking he, Lordy? he fucking loves Eurovision. Watches it every year, man. He's a massive, massive. Fan. People
1: get really into. Yeah, he's listening. They?
0: He's listening to me say this just now, Um and he's like, "Yeah, I do." And like, honestly, he has like he has like Eurovision parties and all that. He's like fucking super in He's like the most the most metal looking guy in the world, and he just fucking loves Eurovision. Wow, brilliant. Um, I d- there'll be people that don't know what Eurovision is though, because we do have listeners that aren't in Euro. Yeah, but I think it's quite a well-known thing.
1: Because, mm-hmm. like, ABBA won it, didn't they? Who? ABBA.
0: <laughs> ah, that, that, that wee band, aye? Eh? Mm-hmm. But they find, like, obviously people come in from different countries that, like, by invitation every year. So I think it Was Australia last year, was it, I think?
1: Australia are just in the Eurovision now. Um, I can't remember what the reason was. Maybe just because it's popular there. don't know. You All do-
0: the conspiracy theories
2: got about no idea. the European Union are right. they taking over the whole world. <laughs> slowly like, absorbing co- There's every
1: countries other in it that are... Azerbaijan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not in Europe, though, is it? No. I no to... So I don't know what the rules
0: are. Yeah, it's technically not in Europe either. Mm-hmm. Just... Is it in Turkey or Turkey, in it? <laughs> No,
1: know. no.
0: Huh? Just have a brass neck. That's the criteria
2: for getting into your vision. Like, mm. what's that phrase that you can you canny shame? Oh, there's like there's a really good Scottish colloquialism for you, cannae... Oh God, it's not right. So listeners, write in. <laughs> let me know that brilliant Scottish uh, proverb for. When you can't shame someone, right? Because that's what it takes to get into Eurovision. If you're that country that doesn't mind being a fucking joke, then that's you. You're in. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> speaking of Eurovision. Right, can I just say as well, <laughs> by the way, I think it was talking to Eurovision um, mainskin, Ma- maniskin, maniskin. Mm. But, but it's clearly like far too close to foreskin, right? Yeah. But um, I think it was the, was it the Atlantic. That wrote about them this week, or there was somebody one of the one of the kind of highbrow magazines wrote about them revitalising modern rock music.
1: Who's uh, Maniskin never heard of them.
2: They
0: were they, the Italian ones, the, the Italian cool kids band, yeah. that won the Eurovision. Oh, aye.
1: Did you Big swaggering
0: leather prick that he is.
1: All right. Yeah, mm. the, yeah. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about.
0: Tom, they did a song with Tom Morello recently, which is a shame. <laughs> he did a song with Tom Morello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs>
2: That guy yeah. is definitely letting himself go. And <laughs> um, well, remember, one of them did a bump
0: when the cameras swung onto him during Eurovision. He was just out doing it. We should say team. for legal purposes that they deny that that actually happened, even though it's pretty fucking clear that's what he did. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe he's just us to court.
1: doing it to look cool.
0: It was pretty cool, admittedly. It did, I did immediately take up cocaine because I was like, I want to be like foreskin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's not an endorsement, right? <laughs> Yeah, they are a terror. I-, I seen another article which is basically saying they're like just a pure facsimile for rock band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think
2: the they're, the the they're notoriety was already established in Italian music before that happened. Like their shamelessness, you know, oh, their, is their, their like Donny Tourette?
1: Yeah, aye. Like the Italian version it's, of
2: Donny Tourette A, a, bit, a bit of that, uh, Towers of London. Aye, there's, um, there's some of that going on, but it's a bit more sleazy. Sort of all right. No, nah, they just it's really bland? Ultra enough, But anyway, a sort of semi highbrow magazine did one of their hot takes on music, like like they do when they talk about how vibrant and essential Taylor Swift's new records are every mm-hmm. so often. They have these, this, this commercial monstrosity is revitalising music for the young people. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. if you saw that and were appalled, join my gang. We are recruiting.
0: Speaking of uh, Revitalizing music For young people <laughs> <laughs> good, good link there Mark Yeah uh,
2: Perturbator It's not really for young people it's Is not, it it's, it's for guys In their 40s and I was and going 50s to say It's that, for
1: white guys Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that like 80s like B movies And used to have Loads of VHSs What's well, it's the name For somebody that is That is like a, An aficionado of J- Japan and got a, Francophile, file. a Francophile for France um, some, There's a name for I, people I'm mean,
2: I, I I'm not going to suggest things Because they'll yeah. inevitably have to be cut it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, It's music for people who really like uh, Anime and manga and, and retro sci-fi So if it was China it would be a Sinophile, Sinophile yeah. Yeah. What are you going to say Vicky? You look guilty
1: No I don't, I don't want to say it In, in <laughs> case I'm wrong and it just sounds stupid
2: That's the premise of our podcast
1: (laughs) I'm not saying it We
0: say things that are wrong and we sound stupid If you know the answer please tell us But this music is for people like that Um, (laughs) uh, And by his own admission as well Uh, Yeah so uh, We're doing the album Dangerous Days
2: become clear why it was hard to pick an album because they're quite similar Yes, um, but that was the one we went for mm-hmm. uh, but we'll do a little bit of background on this because a lot of people won't know what the fuck Perturbator is about yes it's a play on perturbation, you know anxiety and mental disquiet and Masturbator I assume Mm. Perhaps he would say decorator Decorator. (laughs) Illustrator Do you think his jazz is neon (laughs) coloured? I think it flies past you like streetlights The guy's name's James Kent Which is a very English name for for a a very French (laughs) French musician Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe his parents were music journalists In fact one of them got name checked on this recently Mm -hmm. Who was it? Did they? Yeah His dad
1: His dad's Nick Kent
2: Nick Kent There we go Mm
1: Mm-hmm I don't know if he was name checked on here I certainly told you that When we were just having a chat in a cafe Sometimes I confuse real but, life of yeah, broadcasting. Yeah. Um, and broadcasting yeah, You need to go to the doctor about that <laughs> I'm
2: so, concerned about uh, you Nick Kent and the, I don't know what uh, his mum's I, called I don't know if you even say Future Mrs Kent They may have remained unmarried Or even if they got married She may have not have taken his second name mm-hmm. Regardless They had a, some kind of electronic band as well So uh, Aye
1: they did And also Nick Kent Played in the early incarnation of the Sex Pistols Oh, really? Sex pistol. Mm-hmm. Oh that yes, I do remember this
2: conversation now. That mm-hmm. was real life. Mm-hmm. Um so the young James Kent grew up in a house that was musical uh in, in a couple of ways. Uh, and he's he's kind of commented on that a wee bit in interviews, but it wasn't very interesting, so we'll not repeat it. Yeah. Um but <laughs> he, he started he actually started by playing black metal. Um he, he first picked up a guitar to learn Slayer, said yeah. he was a big fan of Tool and Megadeth as mm-hmm. well. It's slightly Later on, he was uh, moved by stuff like Bauhaus, Killing Joke, The Cure He kind of worked his way backwards into the 80s To some of this more kind of gothy stuff Said he was also influenced by some slightly more outlying references Such as Miles Davis or uh, Pat Metheny
0: yeah, Anyone familiar with Pat Metheny? And the name's familiar, back in can tell you it sounds um, like
2: There you go, you can go and check it out I'll drop a sample in here um but uh, after sort of some basic experiments in these black metal bands i think he's he was based in paris wasn't he he said he found being in bands quite frustrating as he wasn't it, it, it was sort of I would say it was a democratic process it There's was a lot just, of compromise There's a lot of compromise mm-hmm. he was a voice in a band and he wanted a bit more control mm-hmm. over the artistic direction he said he felt a bit just like a hired gun like a replaceable guitarist um, he was also at that age a huge fan of B movies 80s movies horror in particular uh, like Dario Argento Lucio Fulci he was a fan of Yellow. Uh, he was a fan of John Carpenter John Carpenter's movies movies and music... He said he got his first synth And you know when you hear his stuff You assume that he's some massive gearhead And I don't mean it in a main skin way mm-hmm. I mean one of these guys That just has wall to wall synthesizers um, But he, he, he doesn't really um, He His first keyboard Was actually what you'd call a, a MIDI controller It's just a keyboard that outputs a signal into a computer Sometimes into a, a, a kind of module And stuff But you know In this case He just used it Into a computer And they used What are called Soft synths So just Programs that were Already in the computer I mean that's great In some ways Because you get Thousands of options For a lot less money You're not spending A grand on one thing And a grand on another thing You just get these packs It's less tactile I know as somebody That plays synths It's a bit less satisfying Although the the results Musically can be fantastic And it's probably A lot more practical Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah Didn't go about Collecting loads of Old school analogue stuff He was using the computer To try and imitate Classic sounds of things Like the OBX And CS80 These kind of Big 80s synthesizers that you hear in a lot of stuff. Stuff that John Carpenter would use really iconic sounds. Yeah. Um, he has a few classic synths, I think, especially since he's become quite successful. He's picked up a few, but he doesn't really like talking about them. You don't really get them in a lot of the magazines doing that kind of gear thing. You know, he's, he's not in the equivalent of Total Guitar, the kind of synth stuff showing off his collection. Prefers using what are called in-the-box synths, you know, the soft synths that are inside the, the computer itself. Um, said one of his motivating factors was that he wanted to make soundtracks to films that didn't actually exist. And films that really had a VHS aesthetic to them. Uh, Mark, I've seen him. Uh, you've seen him as well. Yeah. When I saw him, it was just him. And I think on a few occasions in this show, I think I've sort of expressed a little bit of cynicism as to whether or not he was actually playing. Mm. seemed to me, there were definitely synths on stage that night. Um, and seeing that he's not a big synth head, that makes me think it's even more likely that he was not playing. Um, but when you saw me had a drummer.
0: Yeah, he had a live drummer, clearly a metal head like him, because the guy was, I looked like a metalhead. And he, he, he played like a metal drummer as well. So that drummer is one of his
2: oldest friends. They've been friends since they were kids. Uh, he, he said they, they bonded over metal initially. They were swapping tapes of different bands and... Uh, it. it To him, he's he's really big on the fact that he's now in this project and playing with this live drummer who's also one of his closest pals. So, yeah, that that guy's not just a, you know, a hired body for the live shows. That's cool. Yeah, I I don't actually know if he was playing much when I saw him. It could be that, you know, 95% of the songs were coming through the laptop uh, from a backing track and maybe he was just adding little bits on top. I've no idea, but it didn't seem like a lot of it was getting done.
1: How would it be practically possible to do it, though?
2: No, I mean the mm-hmm. amount of stuff that goes on in his tracks. Yeah. There, um, no, you wouldn't be able to do all of it with one set of hands. But like a bit triggering stuff at certain points if you're going to play it live. But is that really live? I yeah, exactly. It's it's just it's that point where you're paying a lot of money. It's it's not like it's cheap to go and see him. Mm. Um, you know, you 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 don't necessarily want to watch somebody just mime to a backing track. So it's it's a bit of a trade off. I do appreciate that the stuff that he does, you can't replicate if it's just you. Mm. But also. Yeah, you you would want there to be something going on. Did he play guitar when you seen him? I don't think he did. He was playing guitar when I seen him. Yeah, as well. if he did, I I don't remember it much. Uh, but did you you saw him for the new album? Didn't you?
0: Yeah, which is a it's just quite a departure. Yeah, sonically, um, for him. Um, I was going to say and there's that there's more guitars on it as well. Yeah, the new
2: album and the album pre- previously had uh, like more kind of squealing guitar stuff. I mean, some of it I think is MIDI. I don't think it's like, you know, like a Fender strat through a orange head or something. I think it's, it's literally just di and then a lot of processing, but. Yeah, he, he does make use of that a bit more now. Mm. Uh, he registered the name Perturbator in 2011. He'd been pl- he'd been doing this stuff since about 2010. Registered it in 2011 and started releasing stuff in 2012. Um, released a lot in 2012, man. He did release a lot, <laughs> of, a lot of EPs and two albums. Yeah, two albums and very importantly it appeared on a soundtrack to a video game. Uh, we'll come back to that shortly. Yes. Um, so we need to talk a wee bit about the sound, the movement, the genre of, mm. of what this guy does. Um I think Some words that will come up very early are synthwave,
0: synthwave, yeah.
2: Also, vaporwave. This isn't vaporwave, but it'll be useful to bear in mind
0: some distinctions. So we'll get to that as well. He often gets called darkwave because he's a lot more aggressive than other synthwave acts. Gothier and Doomier and Crunchier Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, synthwave acts—not hugely, 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 them, but there are quite a few bands and um, like Midnight Club and like like cassette and it's a really big one. Gets be K. Kavinsky, Kavinsky, Vinsky from the yeah. drive soundtrack.
3: I'm giving you a night call to tell you how I feel.
0: There are a lot mellower than him. Well
2: yeah that, That's actually that That's really true So for me He is very much The heavy end that's He's, a, he's like a metal version of yeah, this, yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, So some of the things That are going on Behind the aesthetic Of the music this guy makes um, One would be The Italian 70s prog band Goblin Goblin who did a lot of movie scores And became really really famous for that And the kind of sinister horror yeah. vibe And twinkling bits and bobs And sinister sharp stabs And stuff like that um, you'll, you'll hear a lot of some commonalities there uh, The 80s revivals I mean 80s revivalism just became Like a huge thing culturally anyway Whether it was fashion, whether it was Wonder Woman 1984, all, all, all these things Synthwave Is what they call retro futurism Yep um, we'll talk about that in a second.
1: Probably drive had a lot to do. Drive with had well. a lot
2: to do with it um, mm-hmm. on a couple of levels. Stranger, things, Stranger has things has had a lot to do with yeah. popularizing the genre. John Carpenter, who continues to mm-hmm. to to be a force, you know, mm-hmm. um, he he has a lot to do with it. Part of that movement, uh, that eighties revivalism thing, that we we actually spoke about it in a show that we recorded last night uh, for another podcast. The guest, Mark, yeah, the movie, the guest, um, brilliant movie. I really like it. Really nice, we self contained thing. Absolutely leans into the soundtrack, the eighties aesthetic, mm-hmm. both in terms of the storyline, but also in terms of the bright colours, the, mm-hmm. the high school tropes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really, really became a big cultural thing, and we can talk about maybe why retro is so comforting uh, shortly. Um, also, I think the the explosion of gaming. Especially high-profile games like Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that, and sp- the the Grand Theft Autos that were themed on the radio stations, and with the, when they redid things like Outrun and all those kind of
0: games, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of the sounds in, are, that are used in synthwave is uh, definitely hark back to the 16-bit sounds from you know late 80s and early 90s early 90s video games. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a, has a, has it maybe a song on this album. Definitely one of Perturbator's songs. First. I'm pretty sure he's using the Mario coin sound. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. as, a, as a keyboard sound Which is fucking cool Yeah there's a, um, that, uh, there's a couple That I would say You'd probably go back to 8 But uh, Yeah, so, yeah that, that definitely I mean Like video games Also plays a huge part Of the synthwave culture Right and, and ever since it started to become a thing With Hotline Miami And various other games Of which I can list If you like Some games Which are highlighted Please do Highlights um, Hotline Miami being Probably the most prominent one Came out in 2012 It's a top down shooter Set in an 80s version Of Miami Which is like Across between the original gta and the film drive but via some kind of weird david lynchian neon soaked nightmare yeah it's pretty,
2: um, it's pretty
0: it's pretty grim isn't yeah, it it's very grim yeah. but it's it's, it's 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 also fucking solid it's really difficult as well just because of the the, the controls and the way it is um then it started to appear this kind of can be started to appear in higher profile games like far cry I had an expansion far cry 3 in 2013, an expansion called Bird Dragon, which was like uh, set in a dystopian future, and started to kind of use this in some driving games like Drive Club, um, Hot Shot Racing, Grid Auto Sport. They used to, they started to bring in synth wavy soundtracks. The biggest example of it being used recently Is uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Which yes. no, not only has a lot of sense. Synth- Glitch central Yeah not, not what it was I mean I actually I put 120 hours in that game mm-hmm. When it was broken Because um, <laughs> I fucking love I love Cyberpunk The, the, the general aesthetic of Cyberpunk Is, is a big thing for me Good We've we'll been that now, um, But, but um, not only was that a lot, of, not only was a lot of synthwave in that, but they they started to, they actually got a lot of bands like Converge and all that to do one-off songs under different names on the soundtrack, and they also sound really futuristic and gritty and horrible. Um, it's actually really it's a really great bit of art that game. I think just not just the way that it plays now, but the the world that it's, that it's built and it's. It wouldn't exist if it wasn't for stuff like this. Um, These are obviously synthwaves indebted to things like Outrun, you know, and and these classic sounds. probably less in vogue now than it was like 10 years ago but it still gets used quite a lot in games that's because we're in the 90s
1: i think my impression of the sound of it is that it's dark but it's not disturbing dark it's dark like night rider (laughs) the theme tune in night rider There's parts of it that are also like children's adventure escapade a bit like... You remember the f- programme Nightmare? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's those kind of like bits that are a bit more... I don't know. It's
2: slightly camp at camp times. Camp at yeah. times, yeah. So It's also... It's not... It, we're talking about the 80s re- revivalism thing. And whilst the horror movie aesthetic's a big part of it mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like you know, Highlander and all that kind of noirish action stuff, yeah. there's, there's also... Much more kind of big budget daytimey good time thing. Like I mean, for example, Axel F the song from Beverly Hills Cop Is it like a, fo- like a precursor to this music? Mm-hmm. It really is. That big synth hook, you know, that bam, bam, bam. But you can't really miss that. Yeah. That big, prominent, bold sound is something that sort of helped shape synth waves. So it doesn't have to be something pure, sinister, and stabby. Although he likes that part of the aesthetic Mm. and he likes the the
0: cyberpunk dystopian thing as well yeah i mean Mm. obviously dystopia plays a huge a huge like all of his albums have stories i believe Mm. vague sort of loose stories so that he is very much to cyberpunk but i think like a lot of our acts are more in a kind of daytime tvs route of like Mm -hmm. night rider and and miami vice and stuff like that um mark mentioned hotline miami he also did hotline miami 2 that um, the first one came one out. One of many, he's one of many artists, and both of those.
2: Yeah, tracks. yeah. So the first one came out in 2012, and for him that exploded. But like he he still to this day says that the vast majority of people that have heard him and have gotten into him have gotten into him via those games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's this is a regular comment under videos, a regular comment on boards and stuff like that and he's he's quite happy about that. He's really pleased that they worked out so well for him. We used the label. Uh, oh, I've used the label retrofuturism. We've used synthwave already. He's not a, a fan of the synthwave title. Um, I agree with his reservation because it can also represent something very wispy and gentle, mm-hmm. you know, kitchen twee. As Mark was saying, and and synthwave branches off into all kinds of other things like vaporwave, the one we mentioned earlier on, which is really dreamy and woozy and very cheesy. And, and, I mean, and that subdivides further. I mean, you can find fucking Simpsons Wave. Mm. Literally a vaporwave. Oh, you've
1: mentioned that before and you've yeah,
2: mentioned I mean, Chill Wave. <laughs> the chill Wave. There's some great videos online. Um, this exists. Uh, a, a YouTube series has an episode on Vaporwave and Synth Wave and, and Simpsons Wave specifically, which is so niche, but. It's it's an internet subculture It's what the internet does isn't mm-hmm. it It creates this idea and then crowdsources This crazy expanding universe Of something that should be so insignificant um, But this mm-hmm. is definitely On the high energy end of the synthwave spectrum It's not just in the production It's in the just the, the, the dynamism of the music And, yeah. the, and the BPMs and stuff um, He has said that he read a review of him That called him Cyber Doom New Wave And he says that's one of the best labels mm-hmm. Of the, the labels he's enjoyed the New most New
1: Wave I think yeah
2: um, for his own purposes He tends to just go with a very generic title Of Electro-Synth um, Going back, he, he is not The inventor of it, clearly In um, this modern incarnation of it He has said in interviews that He thinks an act called Power Glove Around about 2009 Was probably one of the people That helped really bring it back <laughs> Um, the, the origins of this resurgence He also attributed to a thing called The Valerie Collective in France uh, He reckons they played a huge part in the development Of the movement and sound That was founded in Nantes In west, northwest France um, In 2007 by a guy called David Grélier And it featured Different people un, under un, under that umbrella At Anarac Who have got a, a track called Night Drive With You That you may have heard Um, The Outrunners, they're they're both from France A guy called Russ Chimes He came from London, there were some people from Canada Um, And the guy, uh, Grellier Was also uh, known as College, you may have heard the College And if you you have and you don't know Why, it's because College Had a song called A Real Hero Which Mm -hmm. he did in collaboration with Electric Youth Featured in Drive Mm -hmm. Yeah, You'll know it when you hear it and I'll cut it in song that, mm-hmm. um, that collective was characterized by you know retro futurism and what they called a quote romantic blend of 1980s inspired electro or synthwave um when a uh, Perturbator himself uh, kent was asked by vice is there a scene for this you know talking about this style of music he <laughs> he had said quote there is a small one that's not in good shape and has no real coherence but it's still one it used to be good for now Uh, But for every Mitch murder or dance with the dead There's a hundred others who release the same Clichéd 80s synthwave albums with horrible Artwork or who release an album A week presumably without Giving it much thought He personally doesn't actually listen to too much Of this style of music, he's a big metal fan He's also into a lot of alternative stuff Feels that a lot of synthwave And has gotten a bit stale um, he'd, in another interview speaking about the sound He'd said uh, Electronic music has lost a lot of its musicality lately It's all drops and bass lines Looped for five minutes non-stop Back in the 80s you had classic themes and iconic melodies I try to take the best of 80s music And the best of what modern electro has The 80s were the golden age of synths too With master composers like Vangelis And Tangerine mm-hmm. Dream are huge inspirations for most of us in this genre there's this special imagery that comes up in your mind when you think about this decade sci-fi in general is a bottomless pit of inspiration and imagination visually and musically anyone can make their own interpretation of what the future will look like and come up with some crazy shit and people can relate to those interpretations yeah he's, he, he's right you know I do think that one of the things that 80s is really especially with the advantage of hindsight is really excelled at was identifying a hook and just shamelessly pumping that hook. And you think about those big, like dancing in the dark. These big, like Huey Lewis mm-hmm. and all these fucking huge, like Madonna, Michael Jack, big key hooks. And even if they were dead fucking cheesy, that's what you want. We spoke about it. When We did the that Journey song. Yeah, remember the one separate, that the Craig picked? Uh,
0: separate ways, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yacht rock is also responsible for that as well. You know, that was was the whole point of yacht rock. It was to basically be as soft rock and cheesy as possible, like hollow notes and stuff like that.
2: Shamelessly indulgent. Like, pick, identify what the people like and just just absolutely ram that to the front. You know, don't bury it. Don't try and be subtle. Don't try and be cool. Give people what they want.
1: I don't feel that his music's like that.
2: I think his music really embraces big, cheesy changes. And some of the songs have these. Big corny synth sounds, these big yeah. lead synth sounds. It's not subtle. Let's put it that way. It's, you know, if you let's let's use an example from a past episode. Say, t- take some like Blank Mass. Blank Mass has, I'm sure, some of the same plugins, like a lot of the same sensibilities of maximalism and high energy and saturation. Mm-hmm. It's always tempered with difficult Edges, it's always tempered mm-hmm. with Difficult changes and mm-hmm. Aspects that make it quite unsettling Whereas Perturbator mm-hmm. Just kind of gets all that out the road He's pretty shameless and it's As a result you do get that musical diabetes thing Happening, it's very sweet, it's very OTT, it's very it, much, it very r- much is, Refined yeah. sugar
1: But sometimes I find it more erratic Like it go- do you know what I mean Like It, it doesn't have any like, groove or anything like that
0: I think some of the some of the songs do have some groove but I do think I, I think I do think it can be quite hard to find a hook certainly when I saw him live um, he played some of the best songs that he's got in his catalogue mm-hmm. but he also played a lot of other songs which were just sounded the same mm-hmm. you know um, and that's fine like, I seen a review that I think was on The Quietest of this album and they just said that some of it was frankly barmy and it is like a lot of his that's music is uh, totally barmy frankly barmy yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it is you know like it's totally a lot, ridiculous a lot of the time Obviously, annoyingly so. Yeah, yeah. It, when he was talking about some of his inspirations.
2: Uh, obviously, we mentioned a couple earlier on. It's, it's as to why he's got that added edge. He cites things like Cult of Luna. That's the kind oh, of yeah. recreational. He did a, a he record does.
1: with him, did Did a record
2: he? with the singer, yeah. Mm. Uh, he also talks about things like Mister Bungle. Mm. You know, so he's clearly getting his. Cues from places that a lot of the other synthwave people mm-hmm. Are not getting them from mm-hmm. And it's possibly part of why it's got that added edge Plus the fact that it comes yeah. from a metallic background um, we're, we're going to go on to this very shortly The metal audience is where he's found his home yeah. Because synthwave is a weird one Because you're kind of trying to think to yourself Who the fuck is it that actually listens to this And it's quite a niche genre And there's not a lot He's, he's found a decent sized audience But the audience that he's found ...is not an electro audience, it's not a clubbing audience really... ...it's definitely not a kind of cool clubbing audience... ...like the sub-club kind of Glaswegian cutting-edge DJ type thing... ...it's miles away from that... ...he has really embraced the horror aesthetic... ...the geek aesthetic, the video game aesthetic... ...and has found an audience with metalheads... Mm-hmm. goths, in, in a lot of cases... I mean, what was the audience like when you went to see him? Because for me, it looked like I was going to go and see...
1: Did they have neon dreads?
2: (laughs) There's a couple of neon dreads. (laughs) It it looked like I was going to go and see a a mixture between a new metal band and The Cure and maybe something like Helmet or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was that kind of like weird mix in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well...
0: When I saw him when I saw him he was touring with uh, health and it was the opener was supposed to be author and punisher, but he ended up having to pull out because of some family issues. He's American. and um, so it ended up just being health and, and perturbator and it was mostly a health crowd. So it is people who are kind of into like industrial stuff, a wee bit into there no nobody no, nobody who likes noise rock listens to health anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just not happening. Yeah, so it's people who are like kinda of a bit gothy and really into kinda of into metal music, but also like to be challenged by something that's industrial and not any snails, but also I didn't really see anybody with neon dreads or anybody like with a cyber goth aesthetic, thank god um, I actually really weird aside, but there's a guy that, um, one of the partners of my, uh, the company that I work for, one of the partners um, actually bumped into him Um, And I was was totally fucking blown away by it I was like what what the hell is this guy doing here He's probably thought the same thing about me if you're honest But (laughs) shit I mean he had long hair so maybe I should have assumed There was (laughs) something about it But yeah it was really bizarre That's what we teach people these days Assume things based on folks looks Yeah I, obviously I didn't because I was taken aback when I saw him <laughs> so I you like, but Today's <laughs> Nexus is a, a real lesson in that but It really me. is yes. <laughs>
2: um, Okay so well I, I think we should pick up the cyber goth And the cyberpunk thing Because it's really interesting in terms of Where this guy's career has landed Is it? It, it could potentially be interesting <laughs> For some somebody that's not you um, So Musically Perturbator Is that crossover of, of metal and electronics And that continues in the mm-hmm. audience I don't mean that in the sense of ministry or nine-inch nails or, or even something like Ramstein. Although Ramstein is maybe slightly closer, but um, not not in that way. Um, it's probably closer to the EBM scene electronic body music scene so when you had I mean because that appealed to like early industrial music fans including uh, included people like Front
3: 242
2: Clock DVA Nitsereb Frontline Assembly Um, It was pounding Heavy Metallic production Often with really harsh vocals and things um, And a really acerbic punk delivery Could be quite political Certainly very dystopian A lot of stuff about People trying to fuck with you And trying to take away your rights And there was a lot of kind of You know Some of these people Ended up going down the conspiracy Route quite badly But um it was like, it was 100% electronic in origin, though. It really felt like mm-hmm. electronic music, despite being quite punishing, like a metal band. Um, and it was designed musically for the environment of a club, much more than it was designed for. Uh, you know, like the thirteenth note, or the opposite end of the scale, like mm-hmm. Murrayfield. It wasn't designed for a big air rock venue. It was designed to be claustrophobic and loud as fuck and sinister, and kind of had Berlin and, and industrial sites and stuff in it in it in its uh, aesthetic. So cyberpunk, slightly different from cybergoth, obviously. Cyberpunk is a subgenre of science fiction. Um, it's it's set in kind of dystopian futuristic context. Uh, that tends to focus on a quote combination of low life and high tech. So you've got, and this is something that's consistent with the artwork in a lot of Peter Perturbator, you've got like the prostitutes and street thugs and all this kind of like almost like characters and like an old 80s beat em up, but set against a backdrop of futuristic looking cars and skyscrapers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it really comes from William uh, Gibson's Neuromancer, that's where cyberpunk yeah, was mm-hmm. born Absolutely. from. Uh, he's, I believe Peter Perturbator's got some song that references the
0: fact that Gibson failed to predict the mobile phone also, but he, yeah, no, he predicted the internet, which is fucking super interesting not for bad. someone that not came bad. out we'll In and the 80s um, But yeah, that book was quite foundational to sci-fi in general, not just cyberpunk. You know, like a lot of the ideas that the Matrix wouldn't exist without um, without William Gibson. Um, uh, so people, the, people have argued the internet itself wouldn't exist without William Gibson, but I mean that's probably a bit far. But, yeah. um,
2: William Gibson. There's also Neil Stevenson, um, again, yeah. Bruce Sterling, John Shirley, and Philip K. Dick has also become heavily yeah, associated course. via Do uh, Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which became Blade Runner. An report, Blade like Runner being it's
1: like
2: Darkly. Darkly. Yeah. yeah oh, very, uh, very true. Um, so yeah, the origins of cyberpunk are rooted in New Wave science fiction of the 60s and 70s. Really, um, it has you know futuristic technological and scientific achievements such as AI. Cybernetics Juxtaposed with Societal collapse Dystopia mm-hmm. And decay Some other cultural Touchstones We mentioned Blade Runner We've also got stuff like Max Headroom In the States Really interesting show Especially given the way It kind of hacked into Broadcasts and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, Comics like 2000 AD um, And especially Judge Dredd Judge Dredd uh. had a lot of it Yeah um, the The landscape aesthetics Are pretty important To it as well And this is something That's consistent With Peter Beto, Not just musically But in the artwork And stuff um, The economic And technological State of Japan uh, Is a regular theme In cyberpunk literature Of the 80s William Gibson Has actually said Modern Japan Simply was cyberpunk um, Cyberpunk's often set In the urbanised Artificial landscapes um, I think the quote City lights receding Was used by William Gibson As one of the genre's First metaphors For cyber space and virtual reality um, Six Keeps of Hong Kong uh, also had major influence in works like uh, Blade Runner and uh, Shadowrun um, Ridley Scott had said that Los Angeles and Blade Runner was made to feel like Hong Kong on a very bad day Um, streetscapes like Ghost in the Shell are also based in Hong Kong mm-hmm. um, and the director Mamoru Oshie of Ghost in the Shell observed that uh, Hong Kong's strange and chaotic streets see quote, old and new exist in confusing relationships um, so Ghost in the Shell obviously leads you on anime and manga are huge contributors to this aesthetic yep. if films like Akira Akira, yeah mm-hmm both visually and tonally represent that dread of unknown futures and pessimism mixed with you know the rampant progress of technology progress and inverted commas and how it affects humans society and also underlying morality because that was a big theme of this was that the advance of technology sort of cheapened human life you know, there was a lot of, like, whimsical violence and summary executions in these kind of shows, you know, and it was like like people just didn't matter as much anymore because of technology. And that seems like that's a kind of consistent theme in a lot of this stuff as well. Um, cyber Goth, slightly different, but a, a big part of uh, of uh, his career. Vicky, uh, the old Cyber Goth gif, mm-hmm. that went down well, didn't it? Yep. Classic, classic, Giffen. a classic. Mm-hmm. Cybergoths do some really fucking great gifts man. they dancing. can't help themselves. Um, have you heard the rivet heads? I've heard of the rivet heads, yeah. So rivet heads uh, is a designation that comes from folks being really into industrial music, obviously, or industrial dance music. You know, oh. rivets, steel, industry, industrial. The term mm-hmm. cybergoth was actually coined in 1988 by the Games Workshop for their uh, they had a role playing game called Dark Future. And the fashion started to emerge as a thing in the the decade after because it was built on rave fashion, but it yes. s- started to change the colour and, you know, the haircuts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So typically rave fashion used a lot of really bright colours. Cyber Goth was sort of adapted to include loads of black, but then with these little splashes of the colour, you know, so like a neon. You dreadlocks, red dreadlocks Little bits and bobs of colours showing through mm-hmm. um, They brought in elements like goggles You know, you had mm-hmm. that kind of Mad Max Fishnets Fishnets, aye fishnet shirts, stockings Gloves new, Gloves, New Rock boots Those fucking giant boots with the metal plates mm-hmm. on them
1: The trousers that have got a million pockets on them
2: Aye, aye <laughs> So like steampunk and stuff all started t- t- to merge with that mm-hmm. And that was coming for the, you know, the Mad Max And that whole mm-hmm. world of things that was spoken about before Also, a lot of people you can't really get to cyber goth without 70s david bowie and without uh, fritz lang's metropolis
0: think? yeah that makes sense
1: mm-hmm. uh, maybe is it steve strange i think probably he's a wee bit more cyber goth than bowie maybe but i know what you mean that kind of bowie ashes to ashes era mm-hmm.
2: so he peribiter has found this kind of unusual niche which has I, I, mean, I don't know how deliberate it was But it certainly worked out pretty well for him It's made him seem a lot more relevant And I think just has increased his audience size quite a bit by Just catching it. that video game crowd has really got him do you know Yeah, definitely like,
1: That's uh, why it's all white guys <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's not all white guys, it's white girls as well Aye just
1: What's white. the ratio of... Just white Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah it's white <laughs> but why, why do you think it is that goths are so... Like, I mean it's amazing That he's tapped into that It really is amazing That there's an act That is so perfectly nailed that That isn't You know
0: Nightwish Yeah Exactly (laughs) Yeah And obviously Him being alongside Other like artists Or some of him Like Carpenter Brut and stuff They were also on that soundtrack it was just like payday for a lot of them not not pay not actual payday but like paid out for a lot of them you know what i mean it's like finally finding the right niche the right audience to yeah absorb that kind of music it also to be fair with hot Miami miami can't i can't you just now you can't imagine anything other than that being in the game because it just fits it so perfectly mm. um and that's controversial game it was a, it was an indie game so it was even a big big massive studio release game you know and it's Oh, There's few things better than really pumping menu
2: music on a video game though. See if you like, stuck in something like Metroid and stuff And that music came on You're like Fucking yes Yeah I mean
0: yeah, Hotline Miami does that And then they've got kind of quieter synth wavy stuff Throughout the actual gameplay and, and that And yeah I mean that game itself was a revel- revelation for indie games generally at the time You know Indie games were starting to become big when the Xbox Arcade was was launched, and like the indie indie developer could make a game and just have people play it, you know, mm-hmm. the platform steam was a really big part of that as well. I just had crossover appeal, I think, because it was just just like the original Grand Theft Auto in terms of how it looks and aesthetic and uh, like actual playability. Um, it's a bit of a retro throwback to the 90s As well as the mm. 80s in terms of how yeah. it plays You yeah. know what I mean So yeah, really interesting that he was the one that seemed to have came out The biggest out of all the other artists That were on that soundtrack
2: Yeah, well you mentioned Carpenter Brute uh, it's, a, it's a good reference point there's, there's actually there's a documentary called The Rise of the Synths that, mm-hmm. that's, that's, if you're really into this stuff Or if you're intrigued by this stuff It's worth checking out John Carpenter did, did he do that? He's in it did John he, Carpenter narrates yeah. the whole uh-huh. thing It started as a kickstarter um, it was actually it was one of the funding sites, and then it, it did pretty well. Um, there's there's a whole host of other acts that are, that are worth mentioning here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Umberto. I-
1: mentioned that
2: yeah Berto I've got a record called Confrontations it's probably the best example Mm -hmm. Uh, Ghost Mm G-O-S-T personally for Ghost I would probably say the album Skull I think it's the first one um, Carpenter Brute has Trilogy Which is li- literally three records EPs, yeah um, And Zombie Z-O-M-B-I A record called Escape Velocity Zombie did this the live drummer thing. That was them from the start. They were they were doing that. But yeah, uh and Perturbator, and like what's clear is that um this stuff sounds the same, right? mm mm-hmm.
1: Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I think that's kind of by design, right? Because this isn't the only music that this guy makes, but he's v- protected the brand. You know, I think he's sort of realised early on what people want from this, maybe this is true to the spirit of the 80s anyway, it's like identify what the people want, give the people what they want He has protected the brand of this by keeping the music more or less within very narrow parameters mm. and as a result the records sound really fucking similar mm. Like they, they progress in terms of maybe the quality of the production I'd say so, yeah slightly and the, the recent one is a departure
0: especially yeah, for this, this name definitely but a lot less synth wavy and a lot more just Yeah,
2: but um, he's he's got a few decent side projects, or at least side projects where he takes a few chances. um, To to name them, Um, he's got one called L'enfant de la Forêt. records on that uh, The Child of the Forest mm-hmm. um, Abraxas and Strangled are the records and that's a kind of that's a more mixed affair it's a lot edgier um, there's passages of experimental and industrial ambient music and there's others that are a bit more direct uh, there's a track called Black Figures on Abraxas that's that's really uneasy and has these uh, kind of dissonant ghostly electronica going on and um, On the other side of that There's The Cruel Sway Which is from The Strangled Record And that's this misanthropic Saturated trip-hop stuff Mm. Um, Another project that he's got Which is quite different It's called Ruin of Romantics That that was from late 2020 He released it in his own new label, which I think is called Music of the Void. He's got this his own record label now, and that that band um, has three other members, which I I didn't recognise the other projects, but they all seem to be drawn from other French acts. And the sound is like a really deeply sombre shoegaze. It's almost if, if you took Cocktail Twins and slowed it down, and then immersed it in like a viscous fluid. It's very dark and heavy. Like I say, heavy. It's just sodden, like a wet duvet or something like that. It's quite oppressive, but it's it's ultimately very dank indie music. Like like being slowly pressed down, mm-hmm. then being hit with a big synth hammer. Um, and there's a there's one called Final Light, which was a, the project that he did with the guy from Cult of Luna What's his name? Uh, Johannes Person. <laughs> Um, Final Light was just a one-time vinyl-only release, 500 copies, totally sold out fast. I think there's a, there's a single from that called In The Void that you can hear, Doomy Synthwave, really, really heavy. Um, but that's not really an ongoing thing, that was just this one-off. But yeah, and that's his side stuff, there, there may be, there may be the odd other bit of stuff out there that he's collaborated on, cause he's got a lot of collaborations on his albums, but, um, that's, that's the only ones I really picked up on. But, uh... Yeah In terms of the records Themselves By Peter Beter They're really similar Yeah they are mm-hmm. I don't know that We need to go into Exhaustive detail On mm-hmm. these records But we can perhaps Maybe highlight The kind of broader Strokes Differences Between them
3: mm-hmm.
2: As mm-hmm. we go Maybe if, you, if you've Got any highlights
0: From them Pick them out mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Anybody want to Kick us off Well His career starts With Terror 404 Which is very Video game soundtracky I think It's weird that in Hotline Miami when I came out in 2012 He obviously wanted to move away from beat sounding Like he was making music for video game soundtracks just Day Days in Uncanny Valley Sound more like for are for films I think there's definitely an, mm-hmm. an evolution of a kind in his sound Or like a, a working through of this idea And kind of getting to the root kernel of what it's all about Terra 404 to me it sounds You know it, it sounds like it could be in any video game Like Hotline Miami Any JRPG like Final Fantasy or some like early 90s like, point and click games like Innocent to Caught or Beneath the Blue Sky, any kind of future dystopian video games. Um, tracks, that they kind of gave me that. Mirage was a song that kind of stood out to me. And even the, last, the second last song "A Darkest Alley's Final stage Sounds like it could be played During a boss battle In any fucking Boss battle In any JRPG video game It's um, something that is quite Boss battle isn't it Yeah totally. A lot of
2: his career yeah. is kind of End the
0: level I think worth noting on this is the, the, the scale or the scope of his work isn't quite there the scope of what he would later going to do isn't quite uh, evident in the four records they released this year 2012 yeah. <laughs> so this is 2012 he's done the
2: Hotline Miami thing he's brought out all these EPs uh, I will say his first EP uh, Night Driving Avenger
0: Title um, gets crazy acclaim because yeah, so many people got switched on. Yeah, Electric Dreams is from that that. Is on Hot Miami soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's quite slow and moody. Actually, it's quite atmospheric that track, which is weird. Um, because it's not at all typical of a sound in this era. Yeah. You know, it's it makes sense why you'd be in the game actually. It reminded me of you know you know in the, the film The Running Man When they're doing like that slow dance when when the two the two bad guys get killed? in the studio and it's like a bunch of women doing the slow oh, dance in the yeah, studio back, yeah, yeah. yeah that song uh, Electric Dreams sounds like it could be played like in that in that bit <laughs> Thunder <laughs> Man's a
2: good reference yeah. point yeah um, so yeah he absolutely pumped out loads of stuff in this year he had two albums and he had multiple EPs and singles and stuff like that um, the second album that he brought out in that year was I Am The Night in The Night song. in December mm-hmm. it, uh, sonically there's a big improvement because mm-hmm. Terror 404 a little bit woolly and a little bit mm-hmm. dark mm-hmm. It, like, they, the drums don't really pop and yeah. stuff like that. Whereas there's a big step up, even
0: just in the six months between that and I Am the Night. He, mm-hmm. played, he played the song I Am the Night when I see him live, and it sounds fucking massive. That's but a, that's a, a good drummer, song. That's a definite drummer. standout. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that was the one, that and Retrogenesis I think, were two songs in there that I really picked out. But I Am the Night stuck out to me more because when I heard it live with the drummer, I was like, holy shit, that sounds fucking huge, mm-hmm. which is weird. then what for you, Vicky? <laughs> it's kind of. <laughs> it's
1: um, so, the one I picked out in that one was called Tech Noir.
0: That's actually a really big song for
1: him as well. Is
2: it? Technoir reference to Terminator.
1: Um You Got Me Burning.
0: Yeah, that's the name of the club, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the club yeah. where the shooting happens at the yeah. start. Yeah. I
1: find I find it difficult to really connect to a lot of this kind of stuff. Um like I found it interesting. I find I find it in- interesting as a concept, the instruments and all that kind of thing. Find it difficult to connect to, but what I could definitely hear, and I think I said to you, I agree that there's a big improvement as his albums go on. Like the second one's better than the first, in my opinion, the fourth's better than the third. And do you know what I mean? I think it gets better as he goes on.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, I mean, it's it's much of a muchness. I think there's a sonic improvement, um, yeah. but I'm not sure that I'd, musically there was a huge improvement. And it, it followed that
0: with singles, bits and bobs. But then Dangerous Days, the album that we're going to talk about before you go. Before we do that, I want to talk about sec- the Sexualizer uh, EP. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because the song itself, Sexualizer, has got this weird, funky '80s slapped bass thing and a saxophone on it, and it sounds super sleazy and very of that era, but very atypical for him again. Mm-hmm. And it really works. That's it, it. Really works in that in that regard. You know, a song called Miami Disco, which was in Hotline Miami, um, and it's really recognisable because it sounds like again eighties disco. It's not as abrasive and aggressive. I think that sexualised EP is probably supposed to be a bit less aggressive. You know, uh-huh. and, and more kind of sensual, I guess, bit more yachty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then obviously you said Dangerous Days, which we'll skip. Yeah, over. Dangerous Days, twenty fourteen. Mm. Um, after Dangerous Days, EP wise, then jump out. Is it there's new mod LP which came out after Uncanny Valley, but yeah. it's kind of just more than. It was Uncanny Valley yeah. was the next full release, wasn't yeah. it? So it was 2016. Mm-hmm.
2: That's a pretty big record. I quite I like
1: that one, actually. Yeah, that, I think I might have liked it more than the the one that we're going to do. The
2: only thing, the only reservation I have,
1: I with know on, what you're going to say. Uncanny
2: Valley is that it gets a bit dubstepy in places.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say. You don't like it When he's got singers
2: I don't like it When he's got singers
1: But I actually Do quite like it Same
0: actually Yeah
1: uh I do quite like it So there is one on that Now I can't remember What it was called I actually thought It was Khalees Singing at Mm. first Because it sounded like her And it's quite Quite soft Mm Mm-hmm It's more along the lines of that real hero.
0: It's like the love scene in the film. He's got Aye. one of those songs. <laughs> he's got one of those songs in *Dangerous Days* as well. But I think this one is actually better than yeah. the song in *Dangerous Days*. It does something similar, just because it's got that different texture. *Neo Tokyo* he opened with that, and that song's a fucking slammer, by the way. It's so heavy. We should we should look at some of the titles here, like *Neo Tokyo*,
2: Noir, like the referencing things that are very relevant to that cyberpunk. Aesthetic, you know, Neo Tokyo, a modern version of Tokyo, and all the neon lights and skyscrapers and all that. <laughs> tech noir referencing an '80s sci-fi classic film yeah. and a club at the same time—it's—it's it's really on the nose. But that's what he's doing.
0: That's what I think this project is—is is just give the people what they fucking yeah. want. Femme so. Fatale is a good example of that as well because it sounds like an it sounds like noirish. <laughs> It sounds like it's from a neo-noir film You know what I mean? And but it's electro at the same time Yeah, yeah. It's, you could totally hear it if, if there was a futuristic version of it's basically it could be in Blade Runner You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. exactly Picked exactly right there You know, the bit when he meets um, Is it Rachel? Is that her name? It sounds like it could be played over that when he's given her the Voigt Kampf test, you know? That's right, eh? Mm -hmm. Um, The The ones that stand out for me Death Squad.
2: Death Squad's a good song Death Squad's a, a really good song um, I really, really like That big fuck-off Cynthia bend thing That's mm-hmm. in that That's just a, a great bit That was actually the first Better song That really captured my imagination Because yeah. um, it, it had a big Iconic feature in it For me to get You know, to grab onto <laughs> also really liked the track she moves like a knife i thought that the kind of progression in that was a lot more sinister and and yeah it was it felt a bit more modern Bloody Disgusting, the website that kind of specialises in everything sort of disgusting, geek chic, yeah, (laughs) horror and all that kind of stuff, loved this fucking album. Uh, An absolutely glowing review. They said, uh, with the Uncanny Valley, Perturbator has released an album that will be heralded as one of the very best of its kind. This is one of those records that you return to over and over and find something new each time. Um, And it was at this point that I think Perturbator sort of quite comfortably. Placed above most of his peers in that genre um, The likes of Ghost and stuff like that Because he was just seen as being a bit more consistent I think when you, when you see interviews and, po- and you hear podcasts about it People like Ghost
0: and that have some great moments Carpenter Brut has some excellent moments But they were a bit more hit and miss I don't think I don't want to sound as though I'm reading into this a lot But it seems as though he may have think that he peaked with that sound on this as well Given what came afterwards
2: The thing is yeah. I as I said, I think there's some good moments on it, but I also get really put off by the dubstepiness of it. Mm. I think that album has dated. I mean, I say dated, the whole project is dated on purpose, but that album has accidentally dated by the inclusion mm. of that fad. that yeah. <laughs> You know, those kind of things, those kind of stuttered fucking gates that he puts in and yeah. stuff. They just, they just drag it away from me a wee yeah. bit
0: i really like um, Disco Inferno on that because it, it has an actual disco guitar part in it which is just sounds so bizarre and out of place but it really fucking works. <laughs> And it's actually got like an actual upbeat disco section in it as well Which is really cool And it's like an actual a male choir style vocal at the end Like, mm-hmm. um, So what was it, 2017 they had the new, new model New EP yeah, yeah, there's a I, can't, I haven't written the name of the song for some reason But there's a song with Odzu on vocals A male vocalist And it sounds almost like the Pesh Mode Which is pretty cool you
2: take me if you dare
3: you take me if so smart.
0: It's yeah. My um, and God Complex Is a Massive Epic Evangelist um, Style Outro Two highlights that I found on
2: that Yeah when that one came out I was pleasantly like, like, I would say pleasantly surprised I was just pleased because they didn't go any further Down the dubstep mm. route it, it, it kind of pulled back a bit I, I quite liked it And then um, what, there was an, an XS EP in 2021 And also the Lustful Sacraments record Which mm. is worth mentioning because it's really different mm-hmm. um, I was really taken aback by how different it was It's. Not, I didn't listen to it when it came out I was kind of perturbed, it was off my radar It was only during this that I went back and listened to it so And having only just begun to familiarise myself with it I have a feeling this could end up being my favourite of his because he's brought in a vocal element that's made it a lot more new wave. Um, mm. Even like at times,
0: like some of the really dark, creepy wire stuff. Yeah, so got the Pesh mode in it as well. You Depeche know, the mode.
3: Love
2: It's much more multi-textural. He, he, he's he's made a break uh, from that kind of very narrow. This is what Peter is. Peter is just this brand. This is what it is. You get this. It's you know like fucking the Ramones or something it's like this. Is what we do. This is all we do. He's actually broken that mold a little bit, and I think it's actually turned out really well because he's still got a lot of the best elements in terms of production and arrangement from the earlier albums, but then it's much more varied. Cure and swans and stuff like that there's a lot of that kind of thing happening yeah you mentioned earlier on i've got an issue with the vocals so i don't have an issue with the vocals on that and this this most recent record the thing is i think perturbator is inherently ultra fucking corny and that's fine when it's instrumental it's serving a purpose and i'm okay with that because i'm like i signed up for this but when a vocal comes into it There's something about the cheesiness, it reaches a critical level that I can't ignore. And the problem with Perturbator is that the vocals, to me, are incredibly fucking cheesy. You know, some of them are very well recorded, very well done, but even the melodic lines, the pacing, the timing, the tempos, they're so AI to me that they just don't work. I mean, to contrast them again with something like Blank Mass, you know, there's none of that Kind of creepy invention really off time things pitch shifted freaky sounding vocals it tends to be he gets a woman with a fairly soft kind of quite lush voice in and does this kind of ghostly singing thing mm-hmm. over it and it's dead predictable to me and it does remind me of drive a lot you know uh, a, a real human mm-hmm. i didn't particularly like that song i thought that was one of the cornier bits in that you know mm-hmm. the kavinsky stuff and that i quite like mm-hmm. but that was just a bridge too far. That was like a jumped to shark for me and Peter mm. better when he brings in those vocals.
1: I think the visual that I get when I hear the vocals is more fairy princess and I think there's more of an element of... Remember I was telling you when we were talking about cyber goths the other day that they're often into sexy fairies? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know some cyber ghosts, by the way, and they're <laughs> fucking great. I've never but, seen them um, infatuated I know with sexy I'm fairies. I'm very um,
1: stereotypical here. But do you know what I'm talking about? The sexy fairy statues that you can get out of. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we was um, talking about a guy in particular Who shall not be named uh, Right But Can can we just deviate a little bit here right. We've been too specific Right <laughs> So this guy's a total misfit Right And he used to wear mesh shirts And the whole fucking thing And it just so happened That somebody really fancied him And we couldn't work out Why she really fancied him But this boy, who'd probably been bullied quite heavily for most of his life, had acquired a position of power where somebody was really coveting him and he was able to sort of like abuse it. Abuse it. <laughs> yeah. And then Vicky was like, but at the same time, the guy had sexy fairy statuettes on his fucking uh-huh. mantelpiece. And they're like, how can anybody that has sexy fairy yeah. statuettes be in a position to like fob somebody off because they fancy him too much? It's,
1: I know. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I'm getting that visual as well is like, if you look at the album cover for the uncanny valley mm-hmm. it's like a lassie on a bed be like her arse towards the front and she's very like sexy fairy or whatever <laughs> you know and there's like a pentagram kind of symbol and do you know what i mean there's just to me there's like with metal music in general there's that kind of grr tolkien you know what I mean that uh, what would you call that like folk mythological kind of element to it Uh of the occult paganism blah 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 all that that To me, it's like when I hear the vocals and his stuff, to me it fits because it just goes along with that. I Mm. think there's something kind of wistful and folky, like metal folky about it, you know? Mm.
2: If if you're listening to this show and you know anybody that has a sexy fairy stick (laughs) to it, please grass them in.
1: (laughs) I hope people know what I'm talking about when I say that. A sexy fairy statue. You guys know what I'm talking about, a, a, don't you?
0: It's, I, mean, it's a I li- don't actually know. Like guys, would,
1: so. You would get them in forbidden li- planet or something. Ah, It's a literal statuette. A little mini
0: statuette <laughs> of these little like
2: fantasy figure, usually fairies, but they're kind of sexy. But
1: either it's like fairy, shown, sci-fi.
2: They're uh, ceramic or they're like metal or plastic or whatever. And, and adults have them sometimes <laughs> and it tells you a lot about them as soon as you see it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this guy had them and probably some people who listen to Perturbator have them. And if you've got sexy fairy statuettes then fucking gone yourself, right? Because <laughs> Live apparently your best life. it, doesn't, your best it life. doesn't hold you back. It
1: doesn't. Right. It doesn't harm anyone. <laughs> yeah. No fairies were harmed in the making of those statues. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bringing it back to Left for Seconds just for a wee second. Did you listen to the Excess EP? When I did listen to it, it didn't massively grab me. So no, I'm quite. A- I think it's quite an interesting, quite, it's quite an interesting concept what he's done with it. You know, it's the one song, and he's asked other artists to cover it in their style. destroyer on it
2: yeah I saw the pig yeah.
0: destroyer one aye aye and it sounds like pig destroyer which is fucking cool Um, Envisioner on it. Uh, is, it is, is that, that the band it? that have no vocals, or they have? Yeah, one Yeah, uh, that's said. Uh, Dennis Lixon from the refused. Uh, refused mm-hmm. other band, uh, but they've also got a female singer. They're a bit new wavey, but kind of not new wavey, but um, post punky almost. But dancing places, pretty cool. Do a version which sounds like Health Author and Punisher Does a version which sounds like Author and Punisher um, But they're all the same song And it's, I think that's a pretty cool approach you it's, know?
2: A, it's an interesting idea It's sort of the, the remix thing Taken to ex- the next level Extreme Yeah yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But um, I just The results were alright His song his, his version of the song Is the best obviously no, I think, it's, I think I do think that's an interesting like left turn in his career, and I'm interested to see what he does next. And it's quite a long period of time between the Uncanny Valley and this album as well. So it's also much, much, much shorter than every other record he's done. Mm-hmm. It's like 41 minutes long. Yeah, w- thank fuck. <laughs> um, well, I mean, talking about that, will we just do a wee
2: quick tour through Dangerous Days? Oh, Vicky's holding up a picture of a sexy fairy statue at right, Mark. Kay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's
2: pretty hot. Yeah. All I'll right. I like, like a, I like a wee ceramic arse.
0: Someone has to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you wanted me to say. That's why you were holding it up.
1: I praise this fairy. I praise this fairy ass
0: <laughs> immediately. Um so okay, the interest is you know there's a story for this album, right? Do you know what the story is, this record? I don't know the story you're no. gonna tell me yeah. it. you're gonna take great joy in it. I can tell for your expression. It's it's, it's just ridiculous. That's why right, I enjoy it. So it's is direct it's, it's, He wrote this taken directly from his band camp, okay you are the knight your loved ones are gone now leaving only blackness ahead humanity failed you to let technology become a threat you are the war against machines they tried to make you software but you're not like the rest you're half machine now more powerful more fierce and you want only one thing to meet the woman responsible for the hardware there are no rules anymore Kill or be killed. take advantage of what they have made of you and enact a terrible revenge By the end of this journey you will meet your maker surrounded by all the desolation he created, a computer codenamed Satan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like the start of a computer game.
0: It does. um, Programmed to do only one thing, erase all traces of humanity. This is Nocturne City, the year is 2088 and you're about to embark on a journey into an urban nightmare. Why did they call a city Nocturne? That's a stupid name for a city. I think it's probably influenced... Because for night? Yeah. No, I get it but it's just a stupid name for a city so mm. I think there's a yeah yeah he's French leave him alone yeah
1: you seen seen the
2: French can't name cities because I can name you a bunch of French cities hang on Lille
0: Lyon cool no <laughs> Paris awesome none of them are as stupid as Nocturne I do not say no I, I mean you're inferring you're everything from what I said
1: mm-hmm. it's just
0: I'm, I'm just saying that maybe his grip on the English language is not as good as it could be right oh Dijon's pretty stupid because they named it after a mustard
1: yeah that's exactly true, <laughs> Chris. For God's sake, um, but it does. <laughs> it does sound like the bit at the start of a computer game. where It's giving you the context. Yeah, isn't it's, like,
0: it's like the info dump at the very uh-huh. start and the text. Like playing the start a good runner, on your you're image. pressing the A yeah,
1: button like crazy. Yeah, yeah.
0: So this is a total that like they're you,
1: trying to make it immersive yeah, for you. Like, oh, no, hang on. So you hang can on. get into character. You're like, yeah. <laughs>
2: hang on, and the half, the half cyborg guys. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Stupid city, Brest. Brest
1: that is a stupid city that's a good city Mm -hmm. anyway sorry where were
0: you Uh, what about
2: getting the album that's (laughs) that's (laughs) the end of that story Uh, we start at track one that seems like a good place track one welcome back welcome back yeah (laughs) to Nocturne Nocturne City City, presumably Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Nocturne City (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs)
2: um Do me John Carpenter-esque midsetter uh, mm, with lots
0: this of
1: John Carpenter,
0: yeah, with this we arp slowly appearing to the end of it to lead mm-hmm. you into the next tune. I think it's quite. It sounds like the Halloween soundtrack in places. I think Did you say Halloween, yes, Halloween,
1: the Halloween it does. I, I think
0: it's Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> mm, <geez. laughs> I think I'm hungry. <laughs> also, yeah. I get some Van vibes, like Blade Runner too. I suppose it's, it's it's like it's one of those
2: intro tracks we've been we've been stumbling across them for the last few weeks, haven't we? Just we daft intro bits.
3: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um He's got his own theme. Yeah, he's got his own theme. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Perturbator's theme track too. I think the I think the assumption is that in the story, he's in you it? are in Nocturne City. You are playing the antagonist. No, but the protagonist. No, to is. already told us we are the night. Apparently, you are also the perturbator. Can it be multiple things, mate? Sort it. Um, it
2: it.
1: But it's not the whole point of I me mean, doing soundtracks for films that don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is. I just want to know if, I'm,
2: if I've been cast as perturbator or cast as the yeah. night. Because <laughs> the night, I would say that's a bigger role. How do you do it? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm you're putting doing
1: my a arms out wearing
2: a black jumper there. So. Doing a good job. was all that? That right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so the, the arp that is the main part of Perturbator's mm-hmm. theme appears just at the end of Welcome Back, then it bursts through and it's, I mean, it's just this big charging silly opener proper with mm-hmm. really
0: frantic arpeggiator in it. You know, it's just fucking, it is dragon soup yeah, in the music, you know. There's, there's a piano sound in it, which sounds a bit like a music box almost, which is pretty cool. Um, i've written it's hyperactive Mm -hmm. Uh, very much so it's it's the song's probably a bit long and i think that's a criticism for pretty much most of the sort of maybe all the songs on this record and this album in general i think it's too long but i i I, I appreciate like straight away like i i was like i appreciate your dedication your fucking vision mate on yourself
3: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) you know if you're gonna go for it just go for it right and yeah it totally tracks with like the whole vibe of 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 what he's going for in this record Mm um it's very ridiculous It's it's just very it's very very <laughs> uh,
2: Raw power This is when
1: track. my character comes in Is this your one? This is my character, yeah right. I'm raw power <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Four to the floor Absolute walls A pitch bent eighty synth And the odd Full hammer on Van Halen Nintendo <laughs> yeah. guitar riff mm-hmm. This has got the Really 8 bit Quality to it
0: I'm fairly certain that that 8-bit thrumming sound is actually the sound Pac-Man makes when he dies Right, Pretty I mean sure it, it, it definitely sounds like a, yeah. a sample mm-hmm. Like it's maybe being applied to keys and you can then play yeah. it up and down you mm-hmm. know, This like is the scene. song with the Mario coin The Mario coins which have definitely been put in sample, sampled and in, used in a keyboard as well Around three minutes it just comes in and you're like Oh fuck, am I going to become the cat or am I going to get the fucking fire flower? I think what's happening next Sorry to agenda you know? here but are you Pac-Man or Ms Pac-Man?
1: Um, I'm neither
0: Are you a ghost? Ghost
1: I'm the ghost I'm Sure <laughs> Blue ghost I don't think I've ever played Pac-Man Really? Mm-hmm.
0: Is it Inky Binky Something and Clyde there's the, f- there's the name of the four ghosts Is that true? Inky Binky st- I can't remember the third That's one That's definitely What's going like... to come up In the pub quiz at some point And yeah. I'm going to wish I'd listen to you more Yeah Inky Binky I can't remember the third one But yeah Inky Binky Something and Clyde yeah. ah,
2: There you go right Answers right. on the postcard um, Yeah It's got a lot of 8-bit going on it? Track 4 Future Club Slow Burner really stompy and ominous these huge pad sweeps mm. um they've used I that i think they have otherwise it's just a gate that's that's beat matched but it sounds like there's like a side chain compression and what that does is when the kick stamps there's like a delayed compression on the pad So the pad fades away for an instant and comes back And it creates like a, a sort of rhythmic w- wave mm-hmm. undulation mm-hmm. I know what you mean On that that mm-hmm. kind of it knits the song together Like sidechaining compression Especially to things like kick drums Is really popular in electronic music Because it ducks the music when you want something to, 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 to stick out okay. and, and certain electronic genres you They kind of Instead of using it It's it's a bit like um, Auto-tune on vocals Mm. You know Initially it was used Subtly to make it work And then some people Decided to stop using it Subtly and just Absolutely ramped it To make it a feature Of the music You know You got that Drake (laughs) You get the same thing With sidechain and compression Where some
0: people Turn it into a feature Of the song So yeah
1: um, We'll take your word for it
0: Yeah it's got a cool Effective. build up and release I think this song is one, it's one of his better known tracks for sure The opening synth riff Riff is, is something a lot of people associate with him I think um, it Actually it really does sound like somebody in the 80s is writing a song of what they think might be playing in a club in 28 to 8 And yeah the main beat of this song And the synth sounds are perfectly chosen And, and it's just mean It sounds like a mean song like
2: it war against machines track five we seem to jump for a club to
0: all-out war yeah it's it's a bit it's like that start of the terminator when the terminators are like like crunching over human skulls yeah you know it sounds like that
2: but Mm -hmm. i mean to go straight out the club into war
1: it's like that bit in blade when they're all dancing and then the blood comes down yeah so they're in the club and then it starts getting tasty like
0: gives people having fun cut to Cut to the antagonist who's just crushing skulls. Honestly, mm-hmm. like the bit of Starship Trippers where the boy gets his head blown off yeah. in training.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, war against machines, really on the nose for this genre, mm-hmm. title-wise especially. Um, a big atmospheric Builder And it? it's, it's This one felt like It had like a Mildly victorious Thing to it Like a hero Rising back to his feet
0: After being nearly Defeated mm-hmm. You know what I mean I've said that as well that When the crystalline Synth sounding Synth comes in Towards the ends That's when it really Gets that kind of Hopeful feel Um, it also certainly evokes the Terminator, the Terminator soundtrack as well From the original um, yeah. 80s one um, Hardwired, you don't like female vocals so. uh, What's her name, Isabella?
1: I think this is the one that I was thinking about earlier on actually um, The one that I thought was sounded like Calice. I really like this one
0: I think the lyrics kind of talk about like a sexual encounter or perhaps a love affair with an android so clearly this is like the love Wait a minute, moment so we've story. gone for the club to all-out war against the machines to fucking the machine. back to shagging yeah yeah pretty much mm-hmm. um it's this bang right this fucking screenplay needs work yeah it's this bang in the center of the records but
1: that's what every 80s sci-fi movie's like though <laughs> it's like clubs to
0: war to shagging mm-hmm then you move on to the next song And it's like You're getting ready For the chase scene Maybe this is why I wasn't a successful Movie director in the 80s Apart also Being a,
2: a Being a child sh- a Shitty wee child <laughs> Covered in snores And <laughs> Um, she is young. She is beautiful. She is next. That seems so that's like That's when I come film. back into <laughs> <laughs> it so I mean, I get that Aye. this is a loose concept album, but that is like, I mean, this is clearly that uh, it's like a stalker horror yeah, slash yeah, mm-hmm. sure So clubbing to the war, back to shagging. Now we're in a kind of slasher movie. As as far as songs go, though, I really like the song. It's, I love the diminished changes on it. It's got a key change in it as well. More interesting And dynamic As a result Albeit It still Batters along Mm -hmm. You know It's not slow Um, There's a bit At three minutes As well This filtered Staccato part That uh, is a total Money shot A really good Head bobber I think that's Probably Maybe the best song Certainly up there
1: Gigs Dance
0: along to this Oh the mosh The mosh yeah. It was a lot of head bobbing At the one I was at It was like maybe It was like... certainly a circle pit During Neil Tokyo When I saw it Really mm-hmm. Fucking hell yeah. right. I think this song is good But it's a, probably a bit too long I wish it was kind of shorter Because the beat And the melody They do change But it, it doesn't For the length of the song It doesn't evolve as much As I think it should I, I do like the, the main thrust Of the song and I think it's pretty cool
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Humans are such easy prey
0: Feel or Lovely Terminator uh, sample there from Kyle Reese. It can't, can't be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with. Yeah. It's on the nose as well,
2: isn't yeah, it? Totally. it? It commits big time to the evil monster supervillain thing. <laughs> totally. like it's really yeah.
0: huge and really silly, like, but I mean, in the context, it works, right? It's got like a little hopeful bit in the middle, just like for a little section, and then it goes back to just fucking robots Stomping skulls.
2: So we've had the club, and then we've had war. Then we've had Shaggin. Then we've had the slasher movie. Then we've had some sort of like monster stalker first-person thing. Mm. Presumably the next song's about
0: jumping out of a helicopter. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice pace. After the, the pace of the last two songs, I think this is minutes, right?
1: Mean me. Mean me, sorry. Midnight. Midnight Midnight
0: In French mm-hmm. He is French after all Yeah um, There's something the Modi About the male vocal um, Which I quite like It feels like a, quite a Sentimental song to me And there's like a Vangelis style the organ part Towards the end Alright, it's fine I think this is one of the songs I'd leave off the record It is a bit long Yeah Um, Satanic Rites is the
1: next one So we're into the occult (laughs) The
0: Occult
2: Honestly, this movie. Well, the bad guy's called Satan, so I, I mm-hmm. do. But well, not the 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 bad AI is called Satan, isn't it? So I, I the do, antagonist, In the, the story is supposed to be like Satan, yeah. Yeah, but that's like it's an AI though, ah, it's isn't an AI it? Item. Christened Satan, I believe. Um, I I kind of want to see this movie just because
0: it's an absolute fucking shit show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This feels to me like I'm in a hacker ball in VR, like something in Tron or The Lawnmower Man. Uh, lawnmower yeah, Man, really bad, bad graphics. Exact, exactly, yeah, exactly, <laughs> with the really bad graphics. That's the first thing popped in my head like it's oh, all at low res.
1: Remember, there's a bit in The Lawnmower Man where they like have sex, and the the graphics is like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember? This. Do you remember the intro to Tomorrow's World? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like it was like a graph or something that was like moving. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, a sexy graph. A graph that's like moving and twisting. Was it
0: like a graph
2: that looked like boobs? Like a drawing, like two sine waves. Well, like, they were, they were
1: like kind of body shaped graphs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they were like grid shaped. It was I weird.
2: What weird. What a show!
1: I want to watch that movie again.
2: I never knew Tomorrow's World was so hot.
1: so steamy. <laughs> I want to watch Home More Man again.
0: Um, just for the sex scene.
1: Just for the the, the virtual reality sex scene. Uh, yeah,
0: complete domination featuring Carpenter Brut as the next song. Yeah, that's a nice wee bit of crossover. Mhm. It's a good song. That's actually. It's alright. Kind of got more industrial Feel I think And it, I've kind of Written here um, It feels like I'm Fighting the mate The last boss On like a rain soaked Platform and a Bullet hell style game Like a bullet hell game Is like when it's just Like loads of particles On screen and you need yeah, to Yeah Yeah um, What do you need to do? Basically you need to Like kill the enemies While you're getting shot at And it's uh. like It's like Totally overwhelming information They're like They're those games That get mad
2: slow down Because there's so many things Getting mm. fired at you Like there's basically Like one square That you can go on To avoid all the bullets As they're flying round you oh. You know what I mean It's it's, uh-huh. like, it's like a huge
0: Japanese thing Yeah there's, there's well, a game called like me at work <laughs> There's a game called Returnal Which came out in PlayStation 5 Which has got a big element of that And it's set in 3D It's like in th- Obviously in 3D And it's <laughs> Fucking superb man But I like I, I like that Because it, it kind of mm. remind me of being like A bullet health style game So yeah, yeah. Yeah because those games are pure ultra adrenalised Like you just get so angsty
2: Just missing stuff And just there's so many pixels moving and flickering And, mm-hmm. yeah, and slow down Goddamn yeah. slow down uh, Last kiss, um, pretty chill well, That's like, last kiss yeah. mm-hmm. Should be It's after your bullet hell
0: It is But before the dangerous days Big closer And long Long
2: He was like This album's not
0: long
1: enough (laughs) An hour and eight minutes long
0: Yeah Just a song (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think this song This song kind of Hints at what he would do Not in the next album But in Lustful Sacraments yeah. You know there's a lot of Letting the song evolve And actually Yeah it's a bit more uh, Red Yeah, Yeah def- uh, Loads of good dynamics Now like. The problem is you're yeah. kind of burnt out Yeah, yeah, by the time you get here like, I wish I'd got here like three or four songs earlier Yeah, um. you
3: know.
0: agreed
2: Well, so in terms of picking a Perturbator record It's not that easy because they're so fucking similar It was really, really worthwhile mentioning him mm-hmm. Because I think it's... Compelling genre And there's a lot about it That I quite like I love the fact that It's appealed to this Total geek culture If they found a nation He would be doing The National Anthem I dig that Um, I actually Like I said earlier on I strongly suspect That I may well end up thinking Lustful Sacraments is his best record Mm. Having not spent enough time with it I'm kind of into what he's doing And diversifying it a wee bit If you only had one record Petterbetter would be great Uh, It's just a bit exhausting Because
0: there's Mm. so much of it And almost all of it could be trimmed down yeah, like I said at the start of this, uh, doing dangerous days of record, I, I admire his commitment to the vision, even if he has rinsed it. And I think, he, like I said, I think he probably is aware of the fact that he's rinsed it at this point, hence his Take complete change. change in direction. I do enjoy the record, even if it is a bit too long. When it hits, it hits really well. I think when when his songs hit, they land really fucking well, you know. And he takes some risks in this record. I like it. I don't think I don't I don't know if I'll ever come back to this genre. To be honest, we um, might. But if we don't I think this is probably probably a good example to talk about in this. Yeah, show. if
2: you're if you're planning on ripping off the mafia, hijacking a car, mounting the curb and committing some gory murders, then this is your this is the tunes that you should
0: have on. Yeah. Or if you want to you pretend you're a hacker on a film and you're doing your work. Yeah. Or, or if you people. just
2: have a bunch of little statuettes of sexy eddies. Yes. <laughs> 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 you, you could you could go wrong with this one. It's good, um Uncanny Valley is similar. Vicky, you preferred it. I think it's probably got a couple of better songs in it, but also the dubstepy parts in it didn't work for me. The two albums before are okay. Yeah, it's it's good. It's like it's a it's a kind of Goldilocks zone, mm-hmm. I think, of that period of his career.
1: So, see, listening to these albums, do you listen to them? Do you go back to them, or is it just more like an intellectual exercise of appreciation? Do you know what I mean?
2: They're not essential listening, and I don't mm. listen to them recreationally very often. I would...
1: And when you're going to see him, is it more out of curiosity?
2: No, it's, it's fun music to see mm. live. Mm. I mean, I will say when I saw him in I didn't think he was playing much. I felt a wee bit shortchanged, but I would have liked to have seen the one Mark saw with the live drummer, because the atmosphere's good, and... It's powerful music live, like it's sure. very thick sounding. You know what I mean? You'll go and see some gigs, and they're a bit weedy. This sounds dense, and it's got a lot of impact, and it's very melodic as well. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? That's the one thing about it. It's maybe too melodic and cheesy at points, mm-hmm. but it's very melodic, and it, it has a. It's it's kind of fun, mm-hmm. like it's fun music.
1: Yeah. I certainly can see what he's going for and I can appreciate that and I think it's interesting I think it's f- there's f- funny elements to it as well I just don't know if there's anything deeper than that to yeah. it for me which makes it quite tedious after yeah. a while it's
2: monotonous, isn't it?
1: Um, yeah. I think that I do like 80s style soundtracky type music for example I love the soundtrack to Mandy which was Johann- Johansson and that's got synths in it, but it's obviously a lot slower, you know, it's completely different. It's from more this.
2: sophisticated.
1: It's more sophisticated, and, but the, some of the aesthetic stuff is the same. I think for me, it's too much. That album, you made an interesting comment about The concept to that album, Dangerous Days Where it's a pastiche of every film in the 80s, you know Mm -hmm. It's the occult, it's the slasher, it's the sci-fi And the music, to me, the songs are like There's too much in them, they're pastiches as well Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I find tiring about it Because I just feel like I can't really settle into anything on it I find it hard to find the hook or, or get into if you like. I can imagine from what you've said that it probably is good to see live. I certainly do like you mentioned before, blank mass and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and I can see how that could be powerful and, and I went to see John Carpenter and that was good. And I would agree that there's a place for perturbator in the catalogue of bands that we've done. Um I'd, I've got I would, no idea if that's his best album yeah, or not I, I,
2: don't, I think there's a place for synthwave Or at least this kind of synthwave The harder stuff But it could well be something like Carpenter Brute Or something that doesn't necessarily have to be better or better I don't want to put words in your mouth here But sometimes when you're listening to it You're not sure if it's being quite ironic And that can be quite off-putting Because you don't want your music to necessarily be
1: I didn't really ironic. think that much about that. Really, it wasn't so much. That I was thinking, "Oh, is he being one of these like pretentious ironic people that's just doing a kind of parody?" Or, or um, I didn't think that. It was, it was more that I couldn't, I couldn't grab onto anything.
0: Yeah, to engage with. Really. I
1: couldn't. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult. And when something did, when there was something that I could grab onto, it, it, it stuck out and, like yeah. a sore thumb, and I was like trying to catch it. Yeah. But yeah. It well, was. I was glad that I had an opportunity to spend time with East Back catalogue actually, and to find out what it was, so that I know what people are talking about when they when yeah, they and talk you're about. Glad
2: that you don't have to spend more time now listening. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and the thing is, if I heard it, I, I, w- I don't think it's it's not great, it doesn't like annoy me. I'm not like, oh, turn that off. It's not that. It's just when you're trying to listen to it and you're trying to find something to engage with. I found it. I, f- I found it more of an intellectual exercise. Yeah. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. no, that's totally fair. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, Nexus time. A complicated
2: series of connections between different things. Yep. So uh, this week we are Nexus and Perturbator to James Barry, as chosen by listener Davy Bright. It's a difficult one, man. Davy Bright, who's been popping up uh, quite a few times uh, for listeners' benefits. James Barry, who <laughs> was specified as surgeon by Davy. I'm assuming there's a lot of James Barrys in the world. Yeah, there
1: um, was another one who's an artist, I think.
2: Yeah. So. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of backstory here, James Barry was a famous military surgeon in the British Army, originally from Cork in Ireland. Um, They might also be referred to as Margaret Ann Bulkley. That's hard to say. I'm going to try and be very tactful here. James Barry lived the bulk of their life uh, and certainly their professional life as a man. We don't really have specifics on whether this is because they actually identified as a man or whether it was a matter of utility so they could pursue their dream of being a surgeon, uh, which was frankly otherwise largely blocked to them at that time in history. Um, Their birth sex was only discovered during the post-mortem and that became quite the scoop. The examiner who discovered it, I believe, was initially kind of ignored and then sought Payment from Barry's doctor before taking it to the press when she was refused by the doctor. It, it's actually a fairly amazing story, so kudos to Davy on, mm. on bringing it to her attention. It um, involves all kinds of intrigue to cover up uh, their original identity, uh, and that includes a child who appeared in Barry Bulkley's family life and is suspected uh, of perhaps being the result of a sexual assault at an earlier age. Um, Barry's body uh, on post-mortem showed signs consistent with childbirth, with having uh, birthed a child. Uh, Barry was also at one point embroiled, ironically, in a homosexuality scandal mm-hmm. sure, yeah. after they were accused of committing, quote, buggery with their friend Lord Somerset. Um, it isn't clear whether that was fabricated uh, in purely a coincidence or whether indeed Barry did have some private sexual experiences with trusted persons. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of fascinating stuff about how uh, they assumed Barry was like prepubescent. A prepubescent boy. boy and uh, uh, there's also, so. did you see some of the portraits, by the way? Some yeah. of the portraits look like they were like done by a prepubescent boy <laughs> in, in primary school.
1: They also had uh, specified that they didn't want to be examined after they died.
2: To be buried in the bedsheets that they died in. You literally just rolled up and buried that way. Yeah, so it was never discovered. Fascinating
0: figure, fascinating mm-hmm. figure. Um, yeah. But yeah, Mark. Technically, Perturbator was your choice. So, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So, um, Carpenter Brute appears in this Perturbator album. He's spoken quite extensively about how his biggest influence and the reason he started doing electronic music was the band Justice. Fellow, fellow French electronic act um, In fact uh, He uses the inverted cross In his merch uh, Not because he's a metalhead He has a metalhead But because mm-hmm. it's a reference To Justice um, So he's very it Because he liked him so much And thought it would be A nice little play Which is pretty cool F- uh, I believe Justice uh, Remixed Human After All By Daft Punk And there's a DJ Medi song um, Called "Signature," Which was created By a beat um, from, from Javier um, who's in Justice and is, uh, was then later remixed by Thomas Banglater from uh, Daft Punk too. So there's a couple of connections there between mm-hmm. Dust, Justice and Daft Punk. If you, if you would cash your mind back To the Daft Punk episode I'd rather not um, Their second album Discovery Was accompanied by an anime film Called Interstellar 5555 Yeah um, That film was made by uh, Toji Animation And directed by Kazucha Takenuchi With supervi- supervision from uh, uh, A guy called uh, Lijai Matsumoto And um, I don't much. I don't know much about anime or manga so forgive me if I fuck this next part up I'm sure some um listeners will correct me if I get it wrong but Masamuto is uh, really famous for his space operas um, one of his most well known is Space Pirate Captain Harlock which is a, an anime set in the year 2977 where humans have become a space-faring civilization, but have come under attack from a group called the Maison. He decides to lead a crew of outlaws to save the Earth. Um, (laughs) I'm just just thinking of sexy fairy ornaments (laughs) on the mantelpiece as someone's watching that. (laughs) Um, So throughout the story, they actually make several references to real-life events that happened in the past, historical battles from the past specifically, one of which being the Battle of Waterloo. I don't need to tell you that much about it. Waterloo was a military battle fought on the 18th of June, 1815, near Waterloo, and which is now Belgium. Um, James Barry, who served in the army for 46 years, was a celebrated doctor who and surgeon who assisted uh, the wounded in the Peninsular War at a military hospital in the Plymouth, and by treating French so uh, French prisoners from Waterloo in addition to the stints in South Africa and Canada. Well done. All right. Good. Vicky?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I was so worried earlier on that I wasn't going to be able to make a link because it was, hard, it, was it was hard, hard. yeah. But I, I did, okay. So as we mentioned earlier, Chris, you mentioned that um, James Kent, Perturbator's dad, isn't Kent? Uh, a British music journalist known for having played in an early incarnation of the Sex Pistols, but best known for his writing for the NME in the 1970s So in 1952, the Accordion Times and Musical Express was bought by London music promoter Morris Kinn for £1,000, just 15 minutes before it was due to be officially closed and then was relaunched as the new Musical Express. Morris Kinn turned the NME into the world's foremost music paper, and when he sold it to the International Publishing Corporation 11 years later, it was selling 350,000 copies a week. I wonder how many copies a week it sells now.
2: 350?
1: Um, Yeah. Maurice Kinn, um, according to the journalist Chris Hutchins writing for The Guardian was one of the most influential figures on the international music scene from the mid-1950s when he staged the first all-star jazz concert at the Royal Albert Hall. He was respected and feted by several musicians, including Frank Sinatra, whose career he helped revive in the 1950s. I think he had written a, a very reverential piece about Frank Sinatra and that kind of revived his career. And then after that, I mean, Frank Sinatra became really good pals. He was good pals like the Rat Pack and things like that. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. played his first gig in Britain in this guy's house and everything. So um, Frank Sinatra, as well as being one of the world's best-selling artists of all time, also forged a very successful career as a film actor, playing roles in Guys and Dolls, High Society and the original Rat Pack version of Ocean's Eleven in 1960. The role played by Sinatra in Ocean's Eleven was that of Danny Ocean, In the 2001 remake of Ocean's Living, who played Danny Ocean?
2: George Clooney. It
1: was George Clooney. And as well as being your ma's favourite heartthrob and an Academy Award winning actor, George Clooney has also turned his hand to directing films Mm -hmm. such as Good Night and Good Luck and political drama Ides of March. So the Ides of March... Uh, film takes its name from the Ides of March, the 74th day in the Roman calendar which corresponds to about the 15th of March which was marked by several religious observances during the Roman Empire and was notable as a deadline for settling debts but obviously became better known later as the date that Julius Caesar was assassinated. Beware. Beware of the Ides of March, exactly. So, for a long time, it was incorrectly assumed that Julius Caesar, that the name Caesar came from the Latin... Dogfood. Yeah, from (laughs) dogfood, yeah. He's also one of those wee white shits that she was getting into labour and she thought, that's the boy for me. (laughs) Where'd
2: this white shit come from?
1: So it was incorrectly assumed that caesar came from the latin word for womb which is like cesso or something like that but it's not it, um it's comes from something else um and they thought it came from the latin word for womb because there was a rumor that julius caesar was born by c-section yeah right but that was that's incorrect c-sections actually um, were called caesarean sections because uh, during the Roman Empire it was thought as bad luck or inappropriate or whatever to bury a woman if she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So they would like, cut her open first and take the baby out and so the caesarean bit comes from the Latin word for womb, mm-hmm. the C-section. So the first person to ever perform a C-section and have both the baby and the mother survive was this James Barry. Oh, wow. So that's
2: incredible that's there a you go. fucking strong ending there yeah. ok, Perturbator uh, is in that aforementioned documentary Rise of the Synths uh, that as we said was started in a kickstarter ended up being narrated by John Carpenter it's got interviews with Gunship, Carpenter Brute, Electric Youth and a whole bunch more and in that the people discuss some of their key inspirations including Giorgio Moroder, Tangerine Dream and Vangelis uh, Vangelis is famous for a lot of movie soundtracks um, he also Wrote scores for NASA and a number of space missions, including the Mars rover and Philae's landing on Comet 67P. Uh, Vangelis also composed an original piece of music for the funeral of Stephen Hawking in 2018. Um, while Stephen Hawking's ashes were interred at Westminster Abbey, the music, uh, which was overlaid with like Hawking's words, mm-hmm. um, was beamed directly into the nearest black hole to Earth, Gaia BH1, by the European Space Agency. Um, That's so cool. Who would have loved that, man? <laughs> uh, I will also point out that Vangelis did hand out 1,000 copies of the song on CD, which is probably just about as useless as the signal's being beamed into a black yeah. hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's yeah.
1: in a land film now. <laughs> Collector's Edition
2: uh, in a landfill. Um, Westminster Abbey, where those ashes were interred, is the site of an annual commemorative service for Florence Nightingale every year since 1965. The chapel there was also rededicated to her by the Dean of Westminster on the 100th anniversary of her death and there's a huge stained glass window depiction of her. Florence Nightingale says the quote most hardened creature she ever met was Dr James Barry who gave her a stern dressing down in an argument during the Crimean War. I read
1: that. (laughs) Do you know Florence Nightingale wasn't very um, pro-women's equality or rights or anything like that. She was um, she thought women were inferior to men. And she said there was no woman had ever done anything to better her or her career or anything like that. So there you go.
0: Until she was
2: wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Take your grievances to her stained glass mm-hmm. Um Yeah, cool. Thanks for that, David That was a really interesting. Yeah, it was to interesting. Uh, and
1: apparently, Rachel Vice has the rights to a film about. She wants to make a film about this, James Barry. That'd be good. Eh? Um, a bit still. Um, in
2: that wasn't. Pr- I know that sounded like it was being deadpan, but that would be good. It's a really good, interesting yeah. story. Okay, so Vicky uh, I believe you've got a selection for the album that we're going to cover next week
1: Yes, we're going to be doing The Black Heart Procession and
2: the album 3. I fucking love the Black Heart Procession, but it's a tricky one because the albums are sort of dark and dense. Mark, it's going to be interesting to see what you make of the Black Heart Procession. Never heard of them, so. Yeah, I I can believe that I think a lot of listeners probably haven't heard of them, but this is what the podcast's for.
1: Yeah
2: Uh, And Vicky, who will we be nexusing to next week? XI.
1: It will be Emma Wiggle by Greg Love.
0: Emma Wiggle? Emma know Wiggle?
1: The, I believe that is one of the Wiggles. Do you know the Wiggles? The Australian children's entertainers? No. No. Nope. Well, I was... <laughs> How do you know? Well... I've known who the Wiggles. They've been a, about for years. Do and, you
2: know the Wiggles? It seems like a condition.
1: I think the ones that are uh, uh, that exist now. There's only one original, mem- one founding member of the Wiggles. They're musical, right? Do you not like remember? Hot potato, hot potato. Cold spaghetti, cold spaghetti. <laughs> do you not?
0: <laughs> re- I do remember that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um It was like four Australian guys originally. Now it's all different ones. And when I lived at my dad's during the pandemic, when we were in lockdown and everything, my wee niece was born and when we started being able to go into other people's houses she spent a lot of time at my dad's so the wiggles were on constantly and i got really kind of involved in it <laughs> and the stories and everything because like two of them were married and all of this kind of stuff so i'm saying too much
0: <laughs> but it sounds like a singing kettle
1: yeah it's yeah. like the singing kettle it but a- like a s- australian yeah. sounds uh-huh.
0: like the singing
2: kettle mixed with the mamas and the papas like a wee bit sordid
1: no, it's not sorted. It's not sorted. No. Oh, but is well, is it because of the word wiggle? Aye. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter.
2: I had the mate that had the wiggles when she was wee. And I know p- who
1: you're talking about. <laughs> I think her parents called her the wiggler. <laughs> she
2: called, called called the wiggler. And her parents were like, We've got people over, stop that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, when your parents are like, Now, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but do it in your bedroom. <laughs> you don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> where we've got
2: company, <laughs> fuck me, man! And we're just right at the death, we took this right back down to the the lowest possible point, along with that edge Ed Sheeran square. Common. Oh, jeez!
1: <laughs> My God, exactly. <laughs> so next week for Black Hat procession,
2: yeah, let's do it. I'm into it. Okay, let's get out here before we cause yeah. any more damage. Bye. Bye.